All right, the Roller on the Barrel Vintage Baseball Podcast. Historic baseball, maybe even. Some would say old-timey baseball. Talking to vintage baseball players from coast to coast, border to border. That's what we do here, amongst other things. I'm your host, the Barrel Roller, Matthew Bernard. I am joined by, two weeks in a row, co-host Jeffrey... Cougar Kozlowski, like luggage, uh, from the Greenfield Village. Like Lottie does. <laughs> Jeff, how you doing? I'm great. I'm great. Two weeks in a row, man. I don't know how you can keep up with this. My my throat is just barely hanging on from last week. I was screen. I was uh, as I've said in previous episodes. I work in a haunt. I work in Mike Feeney's haunt, and I was screaming. Uh, all night Saturday for about three and a half hours. I can't believe I can talk right now. So, well, okay, but how was the job? How was the job was fine? Uh, so yeah, so Jeff, uh, you must be excited not only to be hosting the show because it's such a big deal, but uh, we have a teacher in the house tonight and you guys are going to just drool all over each other as teachers usually do. You get an actor in here and Rudy and the actor just, they can't stop hugging and now two teachers, it's going to be a thing of beauty for everybody except me. Uh, Joining us from the New York Mutuals East Coast Baseball, Thomas... Fioriglio. Hi, Thomas. Hi, everybody. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're doing great. Thanks doing for coming great. in. Good. Uh, Dirt, as he's known in the vintage baseball community. Figs, as he's known in the teaching community. <laughs> Trash can, as he was once known in the bass player uh, community. Yep. Uh, so I got to ask you while it's on the top of my head, cause I didn't write down a note. Why did you get the name trash can when you were a teenage bass player? All right. Uh, well, I was a fan of, uh, the alarm and you two, and the alarm had a song called the stand based on the Stephen King novel, the stand. And there's a character named trash can. And I was maybe 15 or 16. And I loved how, you know, all musicians had their one name, Nickname like Sting or Bono or The Edge. Uh, so I said, Trash Can, that's kind of cool. So I said, I told my friends, hey, still call me Trash Can. And they just did. I also found a pair of uh, combat boots on top of a trash can, which I did start to wear. See, that's more like how you got it. Yeah. Two uh, syllables. Also, you two song as well. Two syllables, not as cool as one syllable. I don't know if you know this about bass players, but Edge, see, very simple. Trash Can. You got to work at it. I don't know. But you don't, you go by that anymore. Uh, but the funny thing is, is you still play bass. So did you yeah. get another bass nickname or did you just stop letting people use it? No, I th- um, boy, uh, maybe I was in my late twenties. I said, ah, it's time to drop trash can. So that's after, after that, I just kind of dropped it. A trash can, uh, Jeff is kind of like what, kids do at a pop machine when they get a little bit of every pop in the same cup that's called the trash can am i correct on that jeff i i used to call it the graveyard but yeah that was that sounds like it by pop you mean soda right yes we're not changing our words for you tom (laughs) (laughs) when i went out to the east coast i was more than willing to change all of my words but this doesn't count for that. Uh, yeah, did I? I did not. Uh, I do not remember seeing you at the Rocky Point Festival. I was there, um, but we were. Most of our games were on the far field, uh, and then the one game we played against uh, the Grays, uh, where you were, um, I was a little injured, so I was kind of sitting most of that game. Ah, that would explain that. Uh, yep. were, were you at the bar that evening, Saturday night? Yeah, I ran into you. Did you? I'm yeah, old. And that's, 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 where, that's where you asked me if I wanted to be on the show. Is it? Yes, yes it, it is. is. Yeah. That is exactly where it was. Okay. Yep. 
I'm old. That's why I have a co-host. So, so Jeff, I'm going to let you start off here. You can go in any direction. I wonder what direction it'll be. Uh, Tom is a psych teacher. He's a bass player. He's a historic baseball player. I wonder which way Jeff's going to go with the first question. Jeff, go ahead. Ask away. I mean, I, I can't help but see a man who is not only works in education, but also is in baseball. So we know he's, you know, he's smart and he's physically talented. There, there are so few of us. <laughs> uh, yeah, Tom, let's, let's talk about your education background then. You know, how long have you been teaching? What do you teach? And once you say, give me the last like aha moment that you had with a kid that was like, this is the reason I got into teaching. Um, uh, let's see. So I've been teaching about 30 years. Yep. I uh, started uh, teaching in Brooklyn and uh, got my kind of cut my teeth uh, in uh, teaching in Brooklyn for a couple of years. And then I am the last uh, 25 years teaching in the school I went to in the town I grew up in. Nice. So that's uh, Seaford, New York. That's a town on the South Shore of Long Island. Uh, we like to call it a small town in the middle of suburbia. And um, I've been there for about uh, 25 years. And I teach uh, AP Psychology and U.S. History. Uh, so do, do, you have, do you have any, like, um, you know, when, when you are teaching at the same place that you went to school, is there any, like, weird deja vu moments that you get or things that you see that other kids do and that you're like, no, that's, that's not how you're supposed to do it. That's not how I did it. Um, oh, I've been there so long now. I, when I first started, it was, it was a little strange. Yeah. Um, and there's still a lot of teachers that had, you know, had me as a student uh, who worked there at the time. So, um, no, it's just, um, I mean, it's just home. It's just a familiar place to, to be. Um, the, the advantage of that is, is growing up in the community as, as a teacher, you know, you know, you know, connecting with the students is so important. And so, you know, all the, you know, you know who the rivals are, you know, you know where the hangouts used to be. Uh, so I was, I was, I was kind of bringing it up, but, um, and I've gotten to the point now where I'm teaching or I've taught, uh, the, stu- the kids of my friends. Uh, so people, people mm-hmm. I'm in school with, I have, I have their kids in my class. Uh, and this nice. year is the first time I have a, um, a daughter of a student I taught my first year. Mm-hmm. Wow. A, uh, yeah. <laughs> does that does that offer like a, a sense of intimidation, like you know, I to either to the student or to you about I better get this right or they better get this right or else? No, no, no. <laughs> no. Okay, it's you know, uh, kind of cool to teach you know the, the kids your friends. That's so it doesn't make reference to them. I've also taught my uh, my nephew and my niece. My sister lives in the same town, so I've taught uh, taught them as well. Tommy, Do they ever like? Oh, go ahead. Did it say? Do you ever have like, like? Did they know? Did all the other kids know? Like, hey, that's uh, you know, Figs is his uncle, or Figs that's that's her uncle, or anything like that. Yeah, um, yeah. When I had when I had them in class, I would kind of like, you know, call on them and just kind of wink to the rest of the class. Yeah, that's my nephew. <laughs> Tom, how has uh, teaching psychology changed from when you started to where we are now with it? Uh, well, I've been, um, hmm. it really hasn't, I don't know. Um, that's always a, you know, a question, how teaching changed. How long, Jeff, how, how long have you been teaching? Uh, this is year 16 for me. Oh, okay. Um, I, I don't know if it really has changed much. I mean, you know, the kids change technology, cell phones certainly are, are a big thing. Um, but for me, teaching... I don't think really really has changed much. It's all about you know the students and making connections with them and having fun in class. So I don't know if, I don't know if it um, really has changed. How far how far into your academia career did you know that this is the direction you wanted to go? Oh, right away. Um, I've never I never questioned it. Uh, I had a hard time at first um, getting a job when I came out of, came out of school and I tried to do a few different things, but. Um, I knew teaching is what I wanted to do, and um, I've been blessed to find something I enjoy doing, and I love doing, and um, I'm I'm good at. So you found this out in high school. I mean, you you uh, as a student in high school, you're like, yeah, this is this is what I want to uh, 
Yeah, I mean, uh, my first, uh, let's see, my first year of college, I, I switched majors like two, three times. I was a math major at first because that was my best subject, and math is really boring, so I skipped, you know, dropped that. Then I was a film major because I took a film class in school. Then I realized nothing to do with that one. And then um, I was taking a history course, and I always liked history, and I switched over to history and uh, became history and education. You yeah, had that? Go ahead, I'm sorry. Gotcha. Now, do, you, do you have like that time either early on or later that was like you had a you made a connection with a kid you were like yep this is this is what I'm doing. Um, I don't, I can't remember specific time. Um, I that that's how I measure, you know, whether I want to stick around or not. That the kids still like me and still connect, I can still connect with them. You know, I'm I'm 55 now, and uh, you know, you don't want to, you know be that old kind of kamaji teacher um but now the kids you know like my three peers they, they come in they hang out in my room um you know and it's uh, teaching is great it keeps you young and uh you know i i, I love being there yeah, to anytime i have my, my student teachers okay um get the hook uh, okay <laughs> <laughs> did you want to ask another question while we're here in teaching jeff i know that no you i i go ahead well, that's going to add in there. Like when I have my student teachers, that's when I always tell them like the moment that that energy that you have for teaching is gone, you, you got to get out. Otherwise you're in it for a paycheck and you're just hurting other yeah. kids there. So. I know one of the questions I always ask, ask about the pet peeves of baseball, but that's my pet peeve of teaching those teachers who count down. I will tell you how many, how many years they have left yeah. until they retire. Yeah. How many yeah. years you got um, left? Like, <sighs> Maybe six. Wow. I could do this on 62. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is it When you retire, Tom, is it a full-blown retirement, or are you going to be one of these guys that goes out and gets a part-time <laughs> job? And... I can't sit still, so um, I'll, I may end up with a part-time job. My wife's going to kill me, though. When you retire or before then? Is she going to collect? Uh, is, <laughs> are we looking at a life insurance collection here? What's going on? No, I, I think if, if, if I retire and then I take up another job, she'll, I think she might kill me then. I'm just saying, I watch Dateline all the time, so I understand. Oh, me too. Are you in danger is what I want to know. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, we have a running joke. If anything happens to me or to her, uh, Keith Morrison has to do the, has to host the Dateline episode. <laughs> Otherwise, we're not doing it. Keith is fantastic. I love them all. I I can't get enough of them. But his his voice yeah. certainly is uh, spectacular and uh, <laughs> kind of his delivery is great. Kind of creepy. Yeah, he's kind of creepy. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. little creepy. Uh, Tom, let's go all the way back to you're fifty five years old. Uh, I don't know anything about your past in vintage baseball, but I want to go all the way back. Mm-hmm. Start at the very beginning of life. You come out of the womb, and eventually you find the game of baseball. Tell us. Tell us your age. Tell us the situation in your neighborhood, playing baseball with the kids, and and take us all the way up to today. All right. Well, um, like many kids, uh, we had a couple friends on the block. I have a twin brother, so uh, I always had my a playmate, uh, which is great, uh, and had uh, two other kids on the block that we play with all the time. So I, I was playing baseball ever since, you know, literally whatever first year that is. Um, and played till I was maybe 13 into Little League. Um, and uh, always enjoyed it. We have, we're fortunate to have We have a park uh, not far from the house where, where I grew up. And, you know, we'd go down to the park, you know, all the time and, and play, you know, shelf at baseball and, you know, have field and uh, wiffle ball, of course. And um, never got into stickball. I had friends who played stickball. I don't know if you guys are stickball fans, but uh, wiffle ball was our game. And um, at first, let's see, was a, was a Mets fan back in the late 70s when they were terrible. Uh, became a Red Sox fan when Cable came to Long Island and we would get the, uh, the Red Sox games. And uh, so late, like 70, uh, maybe 79 to <laughs> through 86. Um, and uh, so I was a Red Sox fan for quite a while. Um, as for let's see, baseball, so in high school, um, I switched over and started playing lacrosse. So I didn't play uh, high school baseball. So I played Little League. That was at so maybe age 13 or 14. Um, 
And then in high school, I played lacrosse and discovered vintage baseball um, about 2005, I guess it was. And I've always, we're fortunate here in Long Island to have the old Bethpage Restoration Village. And, you know, as growing up here, you know, in school, take field trips. And I always loved that place. And part of it was a historic connection. And one time we were there and we were watching a baseball game. And I asked some questions and they took my name. And then I um, I got an email saying there was a game that weekend. You want to play? I'm like, okay. And uh, I've been down pretty much every weekend ever since. 2005 was my first uh, my first year. Yes, they have a full, uh, it's a lot like Greenfield Village. They have a full program all summer at Beth Page. Uh, they have, I believe, Tom, if I'm not mistaken, they have teams that just are old Beth Page specific. They don't go and play anywhere. Is that true? That's correct. Yeah. So the fourth team, we have a league uh, that runs from April to uh, September, sometimes October. Uh, there are four teams in the league. And uh, the mutuals, uh, we all the different players in the mutuals play on different teams in the village. So we're fortunate to have the mutuals, which is our travel team, and then we have the village teams that we could play every Sunday. Uh, and that's just really just just for fun and, and really for the history part of it. Uh, so the mutuals, what we do is it's it's good for us because it's almost like our farm system. Um, yeah, we'll wait for guys to come down, and if they have some interest and they and they're good, and they keep coming down. Uh, and they love the history of the game, and, and they're good people, you know, we'll try to get to know them first. Then we'll start to invite them as guest players for the mutuals, and then uh, we vote them on uh, as, as, a guest for the, um, as a guest for the team. So I started the village. Uh, I played there uh, in my first year. Uh, after that, I was asked to be part of the mutuals. Give us an example, a story, if you will, Thomas, of a time somebody joined the New York Mutuals and they were not the highest quality of person and did not make it to the next level. Of course, you don't have to use any names or any specific dates, but you got a story in there. We, we yes, like like all teams, we all we all, all our you know our our players of our various abilities and levels. Um, and there was a time uh, in the Mutuals history where a split had happened and um, a new team was formed out of the mutuals and we were kind of a little short on, on talent. So we kind of taken really anybody who just kind of keep the team afloat for uh, for a year or so and, uh, and kind of go from there. Um, now, you know, for us, you know, talent is, is a number of things that make, you know, that we look for one, you know, is just character and, you know, are you going to fit in love of the game is another uh, talent is just one of, of a number of, of things that we look for. So, you know, love of history, love of the game. Um, and just, um, you know, I'm real happy with, we're proud of where the team is now. We're all really just family. You, you absolutely are a family. Uh, the closeness that you all you just, you hang out with each other off the baseball field, as much as you do on the baseball field. If oh you, yeah. If you are, social media friends with anybody on the New York mutuals, you only need to be friends with one of them because you'll see what all of them are doing. (laughs) So, uh, uh, it's, it's what every club really strives for are the relationships that, uh, that you guys have cemented out there in New York. Uh, Jeff, you're up. So can we go back to the, to the 86, uh, 1986 with your sure. team here. Um, I was a Red Sox fan in 86, yes. Did you? Was there any sort of like conflict there between your previous love of the Mets and your newfound love of the Red Sox in 86? Um, no, no. Uh, you know, I was I was young, and you know, you you raised. You know, the first team you like is usually something. You know, uh, you know, something your your father likes or whatever. Uh, but my dad was a Yankees fan. My brother liked the Yankees. I liked the Mets. Um, Tom Seaver was, you know, I had the same name, uh, and I was a pitcher in Little League, so uh, you know that was kind of the um, the hook, the hook for me. But the Mets were just so awful in the <laughs> in the late seventies. Um, but no, by '86, I was a, a full fledged Red Sox fan. So you you could do a clean split like that. You were you said ah that yeah I was young fun. yeah. Yeah, and that's as a as a Detroit Lions fan, I find that so hard to do that we you could just give up on a team like that. 
<laughs> it's how do you do it? <laughs> yeah, I forget. Um, and so from the Red Sox, I went to be an Iraqis fan for for quite a while. I spent some time out in Colorado. Um, I was a Rockies fan for for quite a while. I love the purple. Uh, and uh, been out to you know Coors Field. Uh, I would get their games on the MLB package when they started you know internet and we'll watch the games. Uh, and then they were just bad for so long that um, you know, my wife's a big Red Sox fan, a Mets fan, uh, as everyone here. So I, I and you know I watch the Mets games all the time just just to listen to Keith Gary and Ron, um, the announcers. And um, those who don't know, they're the best announcers in all of baseball. And they're entertaining just to listen to. Um, and so somewhere about 2015, I said, you know what the heck with the Rockies, I'll just become a Mets fan again. So you went Mets, so, Red though, Sox, though not, though not Rockies, all my friends have accepted that. Mets. That's uh, why did you leave the Red Sox in 86? Is it the obvious? Uh, no, it was more like 88, maybe. Um, no, I just lost interest in baseball. Uh, you know, music was, uh, let's say I was in college, uh, music was a big part of my life. And, um, I just started, uh, you know, losing interest in, um, in baseball. I didn't watch baseball for a while. Uh, speaking of base, go ahead, Jeff. No, I, I, yeah, it's like the kind of that, that separation. Do you think that that split helped, uh, kind of get you into vintage baseball? Yeah, I think so. It was nice to kind of step away for a while and come back, uh, come back to to a game I played again as a kid. It doesn't sound like you've missed very many games over the. Oh, how long have you been playing now? Uh, uh, Eighteen years. How many games have you missed? Oh, not many. Um, again, at the village, uh, yeah, I would, and we we get these guys like uh, again like me um, who just fall in love with it, and they're there every weekend. Uh, it doesn't matter what teams are playing. So even though even, we have four teams, and even though you're not on a ro- you're on a, a team's roster, you can go down any weekend uh, and play, and you know they'll just kind of fit you in on, on one of the teams. Um, no, I just loved it from the beginning, and it, it was a hit, part of it. Certainly, was the history part of it. Um, I you know I I loved it just that that whole era of uh, of American history. I just love. Uh, was the American history uh, a love of yours before vintage baseball? Naturally, it was because you were. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was, uh, you know, the colonial era, the you know, the early early American history. I've always loved. Um, perhaps, in, I think in a, a past life, I might have been a, a pioneer on the Great Plains or something like that. Um, you know, plus you, you get to play dress up. You know. <laughs> You know, who doesn't want to play dress up? You know, back again when I was, was a teen and, and getting into music, you know, I was I was a new waver and a, and a punk, and you know, I loved to dress up. Uh, so, that's, you know, you get to dress up and wear a cool uniform and play baseball. I would love to see a picture of you all glammed up in your punk stuff. Uh, I'm gonna have to dig deeper into the social media and find one of these. There's got to be one somewhere, somewhere. Yeah, there. Um, Hmm. Yeah, I'm not on Facebook, so you don't have to dig there. Uh, I looked up questions to never ask a bass player, so here we go, Tom. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, do you do you play bass because it's easier than guitar? Yes and no. Um, I've always wanted to to play bass. Um, I did take guitar lessons. I can play a little guitar. Uh, I had an uncle who played uh, played bass, and he said, "You know, take guitar lessons first. Uh, this way, you can always you know play guitar and then switch over to bass." But uh, it is easier. But uh, to me, just I mean, just those low notes just kind of speak to me. Uh, and I'm, I'm bass players. I think are different. You know, they they don't need the attention. They they're not. You know, I'm happy to stand. You know, stand in the back, holding things down. You know, we're very stable. We tend to be the guys who are married, you know, for a long time in a band. You know, we don't have to be, you know, we don't have to be the singer and, and or the lead guitarist and try to get all the attention. Um, you know, bass players are just kind of happy, just kind of sitting in the back and just kind of holding everything together. So that part just kind of speaks to me. I don't need the, um, I don't need the spotlight. Uh, do your fingers hurt when you play? No. Uh, so, well, yeah, sometimes after playing baseball, and you know. 
you get a little injury. <laughs> but uh, I've been fortunate; I haven't broken anything yet. But uh, sometimes, yeah, you get a little jam in there. It makes it a little difficult to play. You worried about catching a ball out there? You ever had a ball hit towards you, and the first thing you're thinking as it's traveling at you is, uh, "I'm not going to be able to play base if I catch this ball, or if I miss catch this ball, maybe I'll just let this one go." No, <laughs> no. I only started uh, playing base about four years ago. Well, I picked it up again four years ago. So I, I stopped playing for quite a while. Um, so for most of my baseball career, I wasn't playing playing an instrument. So about uh, four years ago, after not playing for about 15 years, uh, I picked up bass again. Um, but uh, no, I've again been fortunate in my baseball career not to have broken anything. But no, there's no time to think. Let you me know, ask. Your... Let me ask both of you. You're both teachers. You're you're both dealing with the youth of America. Uh, so Jeff, I'll come to you first. Uh, when something happens in a baseball game, like a small injury or somehow, some way, vintage baseball comes up for some reason in the classroom. I'm sure you guys aren't talking about it, but it'll come up in a reference or something. Uh, what is the reaction of your students when they hear about what you do for fun? The, the obvious thing that always jumps to their heads is, you know, how do you do it without a glove? And that's when I kind of go the old, Newton's laws of motion deal where it's not just stopping of the force, it's the slowing down to be able to, to work at it. And then I kind of use with like football mechanics, like make the diamond to, you know, to catch and, and accept. And uh, a lot of the football players go, Oh, well then I can do that. And then there's a inevitably a day or um, especially in one of the courses I teach called history through sports and recreation uh, where we, we have a baseball week and Perfect. we look at like, we, we do, we have a, a unit or a section on that on baseball and race, baseball and economics, uh, you know, baseball and expansion. And, you know, we try, we try to try to tie all these things. And then the culmination is we play the, the town ball, the Massachusetts rules game. And all of a sudden those kids who are so confident, uh, get the little, little softer ball hit to them and they get out of the way fast as they can. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so they, they think they can do it. Uh, and then when the situation comes, they're not as, not as brave. Yeah. I promoted in my class. Uh, I've got pictures of me kind of hanging up in my room playing baseball. Um, I keep a ball in my draw, uh, and I've recruited players to come, uh, students, to, former students to come play. Um, uh, some, some, and some still do. So, um, I used to show, uh, I was fortunate to, to be, when I first started playing, to be on an under different you know, video clips or news clips, uh, of course, the Conan piece as well. So whenever you know, there's some downtime or you know, we had some you know, five minutes to kill um, or if it was a field trip and half the class was out or whatever else, I just kind of you know, put on some, some of the video clips uh, to show the class, especially the Conan piece. I really love that, um, which I'm not in. I just started playing, but uh, I'm not in that piece. But um, yeah, I would I would promote it, and I was I was, you know I've gotten a number of the baseball players uh, to come down and and play. If you're listening to this and you're wondering, uh, where's where's Thomas's East Coast accent? It's in there. It comes out. You got to listen for it. Yeah, though. it's oh it, okay. You can hear it. it. You can hear it. It's uh. So I'm writing down words that really sound different that come out of your mouth because it'll sound like like us, I guess is the best way to put it. And then a word comes out and it's completely different than the rest of the sentences. So like, okay. So park, um, yeah, I don't... park and drawer right now are the I... two. Yeah. <laughs> Heart park and, and oh, par... park and drawer are the two words. Drawer. That you, you, okay. You really went East coast on. Yeah. I, you know, so be, uh, <laughs> I'll be teaching every now and then, uh, you know, my long Island will just cut, you'll say a word like, I'll come out very long. I'm like, what, where was that? Where did that come from? But yeah, it's, it's somewhat in there. Is your, uh, is your wife originally from the East coast too? She's from, uh, she's from the city. Yeah. So she's from Brooklyn and, um, uh, Washington Heights. She's lived all over the city. Um, grew up in Washington Heights and then all over, um, Manhattan and, and Brooklyn. Uh, and she's got, uh, Every now and then, again, she'll she'll say something, and her her Brooklyn accent will come out. She looks Brooklyn. 
I mean, she <laughs> looks Brooklyn. I would be surprised if every word isn't like very Brooklyn that comes out of her mouth. Uh, no, she's uh, her, her sister's worse. She's got a sister with a very thick accent. Uh, she's uh, she's besties with Prancer on the mutuals. Is that right? Yes, she is. Yep. Yep. And uh, I have. I have always wanted to get Nicole on the show and she's never coming on the show. According to her, <laughs> she does, she does not want the attention or talking and she just feels too awkward. And it was a no, the first time I asked like three years ago, I tried in the first season. Yeah. We're coming to the end of the season four here and she's not, do you think she'd come on the show if your wife was on the show with her? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I might have yeah. To I mean, the two of them—they they know more people in vintage baseball than I do. I mean, they're they're all over social media and Facebook, and they travel. <laughs> My wife will travel more than I will. Sometimes she'll take trips when I can't make them. She'll just take trips just to be with the team, and uh, and go places to meet other meet other players that she knows from around the country. Sounds like she should be the scorekeeper. Nah, she just likes to sit and uh, <laughs> oh, kind of watch no. the game and. No, and you got to teach her how to be the scorekeeper. She's there. Oh, she knows how to score. Oh, she knows. <laughs> she knows. She knows. She knows. She knows. She's more of a baseball fan than I am. No kidding. No, oh, yeah. Well, you yeah, switch whole teams. Living room. You switch teams every eight years or something. So yeah, uh, <laughs> I guess that's not too much of a stretch. Uh, no, she had uh, when she was when she was a kid. She had stuffed animals named uh, one you know named after Whitey um, uh, Whitey Herzog and uh, one named after Earl Weaver and. Uh, she was a big George Brett fan. No way. Somebody named yeah. stuffed animals after Whitey Herzog and Earl she, Weaver. She did. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's been a, a longtime baseball fan. And those were like curmudgeon managers. Those were angry yeah. managers. Yep. Does she have they're, an issue? They're not huggable <laughs> stuffed animals. They're not huggable stuffed animals. <laughs> that's, uh, yep. that's interesting. Are you sure she's just not, uh, a subject of this long paper you're writing, Thomas? About, no, uh, <laughs> she's, a, she's a bigger. Our, our whole living room theme is, is baseball. It's all our stuff. Uh, she's got boxes and boxes of um, of, of cards, her old, her old baseball cards that she's never get, gotten rid of. Oh, my God. You ever just go in there yeah. to see if there's anything worth anything? Oh, but yeah, we've been through that. Oh, she's, yeah, she used to, uh, years ago, I mean, before she met me, she would collect and, and sell cards and trade cards, and she had, you know, books all. She had. She had Binders, you know, with the cards all neatly, neatly in there. And then she had just boxes of just of just cards. But uh, one of the things that the, our our table in the in the living room, our, our um, coffee table, uh, she took all her cards or some of the cards and she glued them all down. So, oh. um, there the whole top tabletop is uh, is cards. Okay, but so- uh, yeah, her her goal is to visit. She's visited more stadiums than I have. You know, she's that's her 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 goal is to visit all the stadiums. I think she's down to maybe about six or seven that she has to still, still visit. Yeah, that's a goal of a lot of baseball players. I have that. I have that goal. A lot of baseball fans. I mean, uh, I'm looking at my map right now. I keep track of the ones I've been to. I just mark. Okay, just, yeah. I just got Fenway Park off my off my list uh, off my map when I was there for Rocky Point. So yeah, uh, and Prince is her her travel partner. Of course, of course. Yeah. Yeah, so they were just down in Arizona uh, back in July to knock that one off. Oh, in F- the Arizona Diamondbacks. Wow. Yeah. Do you get jealous of these trips? No. Are you glad she's gone then? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm more of a homebody. Are you? Uh, are you a man who who enjoys his alone time? Loves her when I she's do sad, enjoy. I do. I do enjoy when... my alone time. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I do enjoy my alone time. Uh, alone time is is truly the best. Uh, yeah. Hey, tell me about some of the places you said that the the mutuals are your travel team. Basically, tell yep. us about some of the places that you specifically have enjoyed traveling to to play baseball and and always look forward going back to. Um, Gettysburg uh, is always uh, always a, a highlight. Um, uh, just the, the field, the setting, uh, all the different teams uh, to see friends uh, you haven't seen in a while is always nice. Um, Rising Sun down in Maryland uh, is always a nice, uh, nice place to visit. Um, yeah, Providence uh, going up there. 
Pennsylvania is always always a nice drive. Um, particular places. Uh, or what are ones that you want to go to that you haven't been to yet? Um, hmm. I don't know if there, um, there is one. Greenfield Village. You've never been to Greenfield uh, Village. <laughs> I have not, no. <laughs> no. You, Tom, are you just like have that will travel? What's that? Are you just kind of like have that will travel? Yeah. Or? Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll go pretty much wherever. All right. Well, I used to. A little less now that I'm a little older. Let uh, the young people travel a little more. Well, I definitely think a trip to Greenfield Village should be on your bucket list, not not just for the amazing baseball experience, but because of the Henry Ford Museum. And oh, I've heard great things about that place. And yep. the items they have in there, like uh, Ken- yep. Kennedy's car that he was assassinated in. and Oh, really? And, and uh, the car Reagan had when he got shot. They like to collect, oh, okay. they like to collect death at the uh, Henry Ford Museum. Mm-hmm. So they also have the chair Abraham Lincoln was shot in. Uh, you know what, Jeff? I yeah. just noticed this. There's a theme. Like uh, <laughs> Abraham Lincoln, Ronald Reagan, uh, John F. Kennedy. That's a uh, wow. Hmm. I'm starting to wonder. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's quite the cav- cavalcade of death. Thanks for, thanks, you know, thanks for, thanks for not mentioning, you know, rode the bus that Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat on. Oh, by the way, we've got that too. Sorry. Nobody died in nobody it. Nobody died in it. That's why I didn't bring it up or there was no violence or, or, uh, was there? Is the bus there? The bus is there. Yeah. That's there. Is it really? Oh, wow. The, the bus. The bus. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Jeff, do you yeah, see you how you've peaked? You've peaked Thomas's history bug. Give him a couple more. Hit him with a couple of more things that are there. Uh, so I mean, Henry Ford's first car uh, is the original oh, wow. okay. Ford quadricycle. His to the 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 Dymaxion house, the like the house of the future from 1946, <laughs> um, basically <laughs> made out of like. It's made out of like airplane parts and aluminum. And, uh-huh. and, um, Thomas Edison. Yeah, like Thomas Edison. Edison. We. It's not his breath though. It's just a test tube. It's not his breath. I don't. I've, I've been down to uh, to Florida <laughs> where Edison and Ford had their summer homes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, there, we I have. I forget what, what part Fort, of Florida that is. Fort, Fort Myers, Myers, maybe. Yeah. 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 The, the, their winter garden estates there. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that was cool. Got, that's the museum. Got, yeah, so that's I mean that's just in the museum, like out in in the Greenfield Village where we play. There's we have the, the actual bicycle shop that the Wright brothers built. Oh there wow! In. Okay. It's the house where the Heinz brothers started Heinz ketchups and um, you know Edison's laboratory from Menlo Park. So. You've piqued my interest. Hey, come on by. I'll, um, I'll get you in. And uh, <laughs> and then your take a trip. And then, of course, there's the atmosphere of of baseball every weekend during the summer. That uh, one of the few places in the Midwest we have where you can count on a crowd of people actually playing in front of a crowd, which is completely different than playing in front of uh, you know the same old same old family. Yeah. It, it, what is the Tom? What is like the like how many people do you get you know on a, on a game? Or like an average game at Bethpage? Uh, Bethpage Village? 20 to 25, maybe. Uh, yeah, it, you know, uh, some, some will stay for the whole game. We get a handful of those people. But people kind of, um, as you come into the village where the first first thing you see, um, as you leave the visitor, visitor center, there's a road that will take you into town. Uh, so the baseball game is the first thing uh, that people see. And you sometimes, you know, they'll stop for a couple innings uh, and then they'll head on. A little further down the road to the uh, where the town is. How do you do? You guys do anything for training, like with regard to engaging the visitor, and how do you like? How do you turn them from just somebody just kind of passing by to somebody who's going to buy a membership or somebody who's going to maybe even join the team? Do you guys do anything about training like that? Uh, well, we don't really training, but uh, we always encourage all of our players, you know, if you to to talk to people. Uh, and that's always one thing I always loved about the of playing there. 
um, or really just playing vintage baseball, uh, was talking to fans. And any moment I can do, I can, I, I can get, I'll, I'll do that. Um, and I think you know, the other players pick up on that. So we, have, you know, some guys are will do it more than others, but um, yeah, that's how uh, that's how we recruit our last player. Uh, we, uh, we host our own festival in uh, first week of August, and uh, there's a kid there in his uh, who's 20 with his family watching, and so one of our guys went over, started talking to him, and then later that day, uh, one of the teams needed a player, so they brought you know he said I'll play, and then we had then it came down the next day Sunday, uh, and so then. He was down the week after that, and so like, all right, hey, by the way, we got some, and he's a good, good, good player, uh, and a, and a nice, a nice kid with, with a good family. Um, I said, hey, we got we got we got a musical, musicals game coming up. Would you like to play with us? Uh, so now he's uh, he's officially a member now. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and again, I, I to me that's that's always the joy is really talking to the fans. Um, you know, it's this is part of also putting on a show. Uh, one of the things the mutuals also would do, uh, which I really liked, would be we would do presentations. So we've done you know public libraries, we've done you know historical societies, uh, and um, I've always enjoyed that. You know, uh, talk about the history of the game. I I kind of look at players, and I, I think of it like in the old days of well, older days of computers where. When you're trying to pick a font color, you would slide the font colors, like the three different bars. And to me, like the ideal vintage baseball player is like equal parts, baseball skill, uh, academia, and like putting on the show, like the performance aspect. Oh, actually, yeah. Yeah. Which, which uh, like, could you answer more to that or which one do you think maybe you are more of or how, what balance do you have? Um, I would I would put baseball last. I I like the history of the game. I, I like the education part of the game. Um, and then the the playing is just a bonus. <laughs> you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's the fun part. Uh, that I get to also do. Um, but again, uh, maybe just I'm a natural teacher. But uh, I enjoy talking to people. I enjoy educating them. I enjoy answering questions. Um, I'll I'll gladly pose for a picture. Um. One of, the, one of the things the mutuals also do, I'm not sure if other teams do this, none that I know of, uh, we have a whole um, set of uniforms and we will outfit teams and introduce the game to them. And one of the highlights of our season was always July 4th. We go up to Albany, New York, which is about uh, three hours from Long Island. And we would play um, local Little League coaches. And we'd go up there and we'd outfit them. And to see the joy that they get out of it, um, yeah, that we get to experience all the time. And, you know, we did that for about seven or eight years. We would go back up there to Albany and they would look forward to it. And it's the highlight of the, of the, of the year, uh, the year, but it'd be literally coaches, you know, the mayor, um, you know, some, some newspaper people and to see the joy that they get that we sometimes just take for granted after a while, um, was, you're really um, just a gift. It warms my heart to hear. Yeah, yeah, you know. So you know, spreading the game, and that's part of the, the, our mission as a mutuals uh, is in our mission statement is the education part of it as well, and to spread you know uh, the history of the game. That can I jump in there because you you said something that right there is that your team has a mission statement. Yeah, is that something that you see on a lot of other teams because that's a very like a profound museum educational thing is to have a program a baseball team with a mission statement can you talk more to yeah. that yeah i don't know i um and i wish i knew how other teams were organized and ran and um you know i know some teams you know change their president every year every couple of years uh big bats run the team for 25 years um I don't know if other teams have a mission statement or not, or, or how other teams even recruit players. Um, you know, again, we're, as I said, we're fortunate to have the village to kind of as a farm system and, and we vote on players. I don't know if some teams just have, you know, open enrollment, but again, we're fortunate to have the village to kind of, you know, um, get players interested and then kind of, you know, kind of go from there. But um, yeah. Um, so I joined the mutuals in 2005 
which I didn't realize at the time uh, was only that Mutual started in 99. So they're still a relatively new team. Um, and that was always part of, um, I was able to, I was fortunate. I'm, I'm the only, only guy remaining who was, um, was with kind of the founding guys of the team and have kind of made that transition to, to the newer players now uh, who are all, you know, um, a bit younger. And so I was there for the start of the mutuals and I know what those, the founding members kind of instilled in me. And so I tried to pass that on to, um, to the new players. And part of that is, you know, the education piece. So a man that puts the baseball last, he puts the history and probably has not said the word accuracy yet, but I'm sure that's oh yes, very important to you. Uh, so this is a good time for me to ask about your historic baseball pet peeves. Accuracy. <laughs> <laughs> Historical accuracy. Uh, in terms of um, uh, clothing, language, um, you know, I, uh, no matter how many times you say it, uh, sometimes guys just, just don't get it. And, you know, as, as I, I tell them, just as if we were to take a trip down to, say, Old Williamsburg, uh, Virginia, or some other historic site, you don't want to see someone there, you know, wearing sneakers or modern glasses. Um, and so, yeah, accuracy is, is, is a big pet peeve of mine. Um, and as someone who loves history, and, I, and again, I love to dress up. And I've had, you know, I've had the big sideburns. Uh, I've had the, you know, that handlebar mustache. I've had, um, you know, the, the, the beard down to my, you know, down to my chest. I've had, uh, you know, and um, even something as glasses, you know, modern glasses. I know some guys can't can't help it or don't want to invest in that, but I've got a pair of little round glasses, uh, which look kind of authentic. That I'll that I'll change and wear for when I play baseball. Um, so for me, that's um, yeah, dressing and and looking the part. So. Um, is, is important to me. Do you remember a time, either one of you, let me throw this out there uh, because I don't know if either one of you are going to remember a time that you did go somewhere historic where a presentation was being uh, brought to you and somebody ruined it by wearing, like you said, sneakers or, uh, you know, Jeff, maybe somebody at Greenfield Village totally broke character and, and ended up getting fired like a story of somebody who went way off the script or uh, or a situation that you're at being ruined by the lack of detail being presented to you. Do you, either one of you have a story like that off the top of your head? I can't think of any. Yeah, I mean, at, at, at Greenfield Village, our... You know, our, our period clothing presenters are are not to be like, you know, if, if you if you are asked where the bathroom is, you don't go oh, a bathroom. What are do you mean? It's just a privy. <laughs> well, we have they don't. We're not told to insult the you know the visitor like that. Uh, the only people that get into period clothing and are in a character are the actors and the and the performers. And we found that the visitor actually kind of respects it when we don't like talk down to them in that way. Uh, having said that, I do remember, uh, I do remember a, a, a military reenactor uh, who was like, I think they like American revolution or war of 1812, something very colonial. And they didn't, he was looking. And so they got behind the, uh, they got behind the machine gun from the Vietnam War reenactor, and I just remember watching that and going, "Oh man!" You know, like yeah, if we had machine guns in the War of eighteen twelve, we'd all be speaking English right now or something. But uh, Tom, some of the things that we deal with with inaccuracy in the Midwest, which so many rules, and we don't need to get into that. Oh my god. I, uh, but there's a lot of uh, uh, power aids on the bench and phone usage, and it's uh, a lot of logos. You see a lot of logos in the Midwest, Tom. Uh, do you guys run into those problems out there on the east? Oh, uh, it's the same everywhere. Yeah, um, 
we, we, we try to keep do our best to keep everything away from the benches. Uh, we have our tin cups that will fill with water, but we'll kind of fill them with water from, you know, outside the area. Um, but uh, it, it's hard to, to, to police. Uh, but, you know, the logos on the, on the, you know, the, on the cleats, uh, we do keep a can of uh, black spray paint and we have a shed right by the field. Um, and especially for, you know, for the big events, our festivals and things like that. Um, but even yeah, just um, the way the, the, the talking, uh, you know, the modern references, you know, guys will be in the field and will start, uh, you know, make a modern reference. And we're like, you can't do that. But um, <laughs> yeah. And when I, when I first started playing the village, uh, again, we used to get a list but it was a handbook and every player got one and you get like a vocabulary list. Uh, I'm like, this is, this is so cool. Like, you know, so I'm lear- learning words. I'm trying to use as many different words as I can. Um, and again, to me, I, that was just a natural love of history to try to, try to be as accurate um, as I can. But uh, it's, yeah, it's hard to police. When I started on the Bay City Independence, Jeff, I don't know if you I knew about this or remember this. Uh, they were doing it before I got there. But they would pass out words or sayings that were accurate for the times for you to use that day. And then uh, and then the next game would come along and you draw another, a different word or a yep. different thing. And then you would, like, learn the language as the season went on and stuff like that. And I always thought that was cool. We didn't stick with it. That's too bad. Everybody should do that. Yeah, something I, I, uh, we had some renovations on the house. So I, I had to do some cleaning up, and I found my stack of old um, old handbooks uh, that I had to go through. So I might uh, hand those over to Big Bat, and maybe we'll start doing that again for the uh, for the Village players. The the BBBA rules rules and customs committee uh, has a has a nice pamphlet that they've put together that's very similar uh, about the way a field should look and proper terminology yeah. and important rule changes that have been coming. So that's, that's definitely a must have from VBBA. Uh, yeah, the VBBA, uh, I believe that's VBBA.org. If I'm not mistaken, uh, everybody yep. that's listening to this and wasn't familiar with that reference, uh, go there and check out all the vintage baseball uh, information and instruction they have there. Uh, you'll be there for quite a while, so pack a lunch. Uh, Tom, you you get to see a lot of the East Coast teams. I always say there's a lot of them, but a lot of them are so close together, even the ones from different states. You guys don't have to necessarily go that far uh, road trip-wise as, as, say, Arizona, if they wanted to play somebody yeah. besides who's in their little their little league. Uh, that's quite a jaunt, but you can hit dozens and dozens of vintage baseball clubs without too much of a travel, without having to do something besides driving. I would say driving distance. Uh, yeah, most of our trips about two, two to three hours, maybe the most. Uh, if they're longer, um, again, that we'll we'll do uh, about four or five, maybe overnights um, throughout the season. So, who is the New York Mutuals nemesis? Oh, um, hmm. Um, hmm. In your well, opinion, maybe, in your opinion, uh, maybe the Brooklyn Atlantics, but in a good way. Well, well, I'm <laughs> uh, they they are they are they are our closest friends, but they're also uh, they always seem to beat us most of the time. So, like when we when we beat them, uh, those are memorable games. So who do you think considers you, the New York Mutuals, to be their nemesis? Oh, good question. Um, who Whose number maybe, do maybe you have out there that when they Mon- beat you? Monmouth. Monmouth Furnace. Furnace. Uh-huh. I don't want to put any teams down. Um, no, it's just uh, I just wanted yeah. to use the same definition that you used uh, when the Atlantics, uh, the Atlantics usually yeah. uh, will win, but when you win, it's a special day. And who has that same feeling about you guys? Who do you guys have their number, but when they win, they they celebrate it because it's a big deal to them? Oh, boy. Um, I don't know. We're not as dominant as we used to be. Uh, we, we, we're, we've been a good little over 500 team the last couple of years, which has been nice. But I, I, there's no teams I don't think we really dominate. 
Um, but it's one of the changes I've noticed uh, playing this for 18 years is that um, the friendships and the, the competitiveness has kind of died down a bit. Um, when I first started playing, there was some really, every team had their jerk, uh, you know, who would just, just ruin the, ruin it for everyone. Um, and we would and just stop playing those teams that were just kind of overly competitive. Um, but even, uh, yeah, I mean, every team, we're fortunate, every team we, we like. All right, Tom, before, but, uh, we, before yeah, we get you out of here, uh, yeah. We do a segment on the show every week. I don't know if you've ever listened to any of these episodes, but just know. I've listened to a few, yeah. We've done a ton of episodes, and we have, we would have sports news breaks from Jonathan McLean, which is a diehard uh, reference, if anyone hasn't gotten that from now, by now. But, I've, uh, I've, uh, yes, I've heard. Uh, so, so, yes, I, I've uh, asked my teammates anything I should be aware of. And uh, Andy, I did listen to the episode with Andy. And a couple others. Uh, Andy said, um, uh, "What did he say?" Did he say, "Don't bring up the Backstreet Boys"? I've covered it. Yes, he said, "Make sure you're <laughs> caught up in '80s action movies and '90s boy band trivia. <laughs> otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, it's just a laid-back Zoom call, uh, and I just have fun with it." Uh, so Jeff Kozlowski is actually Jonathan McLean. So what we're going to do here right now is have our weekly uh, sports break. Uh, and then we'll be right back with Thomas right after this. This is your Roller Out the Barrel news break for Saturday, September 30th, 1865. I'm Jonathan McLean. State line, Hoboken, New Jersey. The Garden State played host to the return game between the Mutual Baseball Club and the Eckford Baseball Club. Each team's second baseman led their lineup scoring attack as Mr. Mills of the Eckford scored five runs while Mr. Brown had four for the Mutual. All seemed to be going the Mutual way as they led eight to four going into the bottom half of the fifth inning. That was when the Exfords exploded for 11 runs. Another five in the eighth took the wind out of their opponent's sails as they cruised to a 23 to 11 victory in just under two and a half hours. The Exfords finished the game with nine fly catches compared to the Mutuals of seven. Meanwhile, the Atlantic Baseball Club of Brooklyn said, it's called jogging. You're going to love it to their teammates as they proceeded to run wild this week. In three straight games on the 25th, 26th, and 27th, they scored a total of 195 runs. On Monday the 25th, they beat the Lowell Baseball Club of Massachusetts 30-10. to 10. Home runs were made by Mr. Norton, Mr. Joslin, and Mr. Stark, who had three by himself. The next day, they dismantled the Tri-Mountain. 107 to 16 in an eight inning affair in which they hit nine home runs. The day after that, in front of 10,000 spectators, the Atlantics defeated the baseball club from Harvard University by a final score of 58 to 22. Today's news break is brought to you by Barnum's New American Museum on Broadway between Prince and Spring Streets. Comes to over one million curiosities, including an identical cabin built by Abraham Lincoln in the 1830s in Illinois, three of the tallest giants in the world, Bohemian glass blowers, Professor Hutchings' lightning calculator, and the largest fat woman living. I'm Jonathan McLean, and this has been your Roller Out the Barrel News Break. <laughs> 107 to 16. If that happens now, don't call for a reschedule. That's not happening. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was Jonathan. I like McLean. how it, I like how it went. It went all the way to the eight. I can't imagine like how it even made it eight in. <laughs> that team that might have never scored as many as sixteen runs before. They might have been excited about getting more at bats. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, Thomas, thank you so much for joining the show, but we are going to keep you around and do the giving you the old pepper. This is a bunch of All right. uh, quick questions with quick answers, and I'm sure we're going to find something out here that we're going to have to stop and talk more about, but here we go. All right. Thomas, what was your first pet? Uh, first pet was a dog, a uh, little last absent named Rocky. Build your perfect hot dog. Ah, let's see. Um, 
I'll go try. Uh, well, uh, oh, chili dog, chili with some uh, some melted cheese. Yeah. Uh, where did you take your wife on your first date? Um, hiking. You don't remember? You know she's gonna listen to this, right? <laughs> um, well, there was a period of wooing. So I was actually still with the according uh, to use the 19th century term. So we courted for a while before we went on a date. <laughs> and it was hiking? You don't remember? I think so, yes. Yes. Uh, how do you eat an Oreo? Um, uh, I, just, just, uh, I just bite into it. Uh, what time do you go to bed and what time do you wake up on average? Uh, during work week, I go to bed uh, around 10 o'clock and I wake up at 5.40 a.m. Nice. Uh, when was the last do-it-yourself fail at home? Uh, oh, well, we just had construction done. Uh, I put flooring down, which sucked. <laughs> <laughs> it, t- it took me about the, uh, let's see, uh, one, two, by the third room, I got it. So the, the first two rooms in the hallway are, are not the neatest jobs, but uh, the back two rooms after that were, were pretty good. Name a movie that made you cry. Oh, um, uh, Die Hard. That's uh, that's crying with joy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna accept it, whether you're lying or not. I'll accept that answer. But, but believe I'm not, me, I'm not much of a movie person. Yippee ki <laughs> uh, Name an overrated major league player, past or present. Um, Mike Trout. Can you name one thing that you're terrible at, but you keep trying? Putting flooring down. (laughs) (laughs) Before you realized you wanted to be a teacher, what did you want to be when you grew up? Um, oh, uh, the, um, evil can evil name your favorite villain. Oh, um, oh, it's got to be something from Batman. Um, the Joker. What's the sexiest animal? Leopard. What's your third favorite color? Green. <laughs> and uh, what is your for your final for your final question? What is your Mount Rushmore of bass players? Oh, um, uh, Adam Clayton of U two, uh, Michael Bean of the Call. I don't know if anyone knows who he is. Um, uh, Les Pattinson of Echo and the Bunnymen. And I'm going to go with uh, Angus Ralston of the Waterboys, their current bass player. There's a, there's no flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers in there, I noticed. Uh, no, I'm not a slap player. <laughs> I do not like that style. I'm, I'm a steady, you know, eight to the bar bass player. No, you lost me with all that jargon somewhere. Uh, okay. <laughs> but the stuffed animals, they were cool, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Thomas, thanks for joining the show. We appreciate you. Uh, we know thanks, you've thanks heard things. Me. You've heard things about the Backstreet Boys and action movies, and <laughs> we did not get into any of that. That was a no. we we go where the guest takes us, and you did mm-hmm. not take us to ninety eight degrees, so we did not go uh... there. Or Action Jackson, we did not cover any of that. Andy Limbo needs to know that we went where he went. And he went to the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> that, that, yeah. Getting those, getting, getting those song titles in was a highlight of that episode. I will uh, do my best. I'll do my best to recruit Prancer. Yes, I appreciate that. Jeff, uh, yep. Jeff thanks for uh, sitting in again. Uh, 
your hosting duties, your experience. You can now add this to your resume of things. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah. No, thank you guys. We'll have to, we'll make sure we tell Yeti that the volume was good. I hope the volume was good for, for everybody here. The thing so, is, is the volume's apparent. always good to me. And then sometimes <laughs> it's not so good. He's like, put a, put, you know, lock them in. There's no lock. Everybody sounds different on these Zooms. You know, everybody's phone is different. I'm doing my best here, Yeti. Jeez, Louise. Uh, anyway, on behalf of Jeff Kozlowski, I'm the Barrel Roller, Matt Bernard. Uh, you listened to this episode, Thomas Dirt Fioriglio. Thomas, how'd you get the name Dirt? My very first game at Old Bethpage Village. So I show it up. Uh, I played for a team called the Hempstead Eurekas. And my very first at bat, uh, you know, I want to make an impression. So I hit the ball and I'm running as fast as I can to first base. And at the old Bethpage village, uh, the field is not level. And there's a little bit of a bump or a ridge um, along the first base line. And I hit it and I stumbled and I fell into the dirt at first base. My very first, uh, very first hit. So I said, we're going to call you dirt. So I've been dirt ever since. Just when you didn't think you were going to get any more information out of this episode, we bring you something at the end. It's what we do. Everyone yes, be good way, out it, there. <laughs> in, Mar- in Maryland, in Maryland, uh, I'm known as Bad Dirt. Bad Dirt. Yes, because the Rising Sun has has good dirt. They also have a dirt, but he's much better than I am. So he's known as Good Dirt, and I'm known as Bad Dirt. He's much better than I am, and he's played with us a couple of times. I it can't would, be like Dirt A and Dirt B. No, no, it's just good dirt. He's just he's just good dirt. <laughs> I just might be regular dirt, but he's 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 good dirt. He's, he's a great guy. <laughs> I don't, I don't understand what just happened. All right, so uh, <laughs> sorry to step on your ending there. <laughs> no, that's all right. <laughs> I, I don't care about that. I got lost in the dirt. All right. Hey, thanks everybody. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube page. Uh, subscribe to this. Uh, tell a friend if you don't have any friends. I'm sorry. Make a friend, and then <laughs> tell them about this. You have us now. <laughs> If you join, will be your friend. If you listen to this and you are interested in vintage baseball, uh, contact us. We can we can put you in contact with the closest vintage baseball situation to you, and then you'll have friends. It'll be fantastic. Uh, Good night, everybody.